0: Hello, and welcome to the Dance Physio Podcast. A podcast designed to explore ideas and foster discussion around dancer health and wellness. We're here to challenge the status quo, bridge the gap between dance science and the studio, and help change the landscape of the dance industry for the better. I'm your host, Erica Mayall, a dancer turned physiotherapist who is deeply passionate about leaving the dance world better than I found it. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to episode two of the Dance Physio podcast. Today, I want to walk, talk about why dancers need dance specific healthcare and why they should be able to access healthcare specifically for them. So, historically, a lot of dancers have had to access fairly mainstream healthcare services. So, seeing regular doctors or sports medicine physicians, physiotherapists, chiropractors, whoever it might be, who maybe work with more general populations or more sporting populations, but aren't necessarily super dancer specific. But that's starting to change. There's starting to be more access to dance specialists and people who specialize in dance medicine. So today I want to dive into a little bit of the specifics of why we would want to access dance-specific care or what the benefits of dance-specific health care are. So first and foremost, any dance-specific healthcare provider is just gonna understand and know the demands of dance far above a regular or sort of more sports-focused provider. So any of you guys who listen to episode one know a little bit of my backstory of sort of as a teenager having a couple of dance injuries and going to physiotherapy, but being in a very sports-based physiotherapy clinic, so kind of rehabbing alongside basketball players and hockey players and things like that. And Really getting the feeling or the sense that the physiotherapist, although great therapists, didn't truly understand the demands of what it was I was wanting to do and what it was I was needing to do. So something that we hear really commonly in the dance world is people who've gone to see other providers... And they'll often come in with certain sort of complaints or certain issues going on where, you know, I have pain when I bring my leg into this position or I have pain when I do this specific move. And the provider's answer is often, well, just don't do that or just don't put your leg in that position, which obviously is not super great and useful advice. But really, I think a lot of the times it comes from the fact that they just do not understand the demands of dance and how physical it is. So we know that dance is one of the most physically demanding professions that there is. There's been studies that have looked at like the occupational demands of certain professions and dance is ranked among the top of those. So the physical demands of dance are really high but they're also unusual so in dance, we're using extreme ranges of motion, really um, huge amounts of like joint mobility that aren't necessarily required in other movement patterns or in other sports patterns. So, if we have sports that are more running based or things like that, they don't necessarily need to access those same kind of degrees of movement. So, that's a little bit more unusual, and a lot of more traditional healthcare providers might not understand ways to go about sort of dealing with people who are accessing those bigger ranges of motion and things like that. Dance, depending on what styles of dance you're doing, are often based in sort of like externally rotated or turned out positions. So if you're doing kind of dance forms that are stemming from kind of more classical ballet or modern contemporary, those types of dance forms, we work in that turned out position. So Instead of our feet facing forward, like they would normally anatomically do, we rotate them out to the side to, you know, that supposed 180 degrees, which we know is not attainable. But we are working in that externally rotated position. So again, that changes the entire orientation of how muscles interact with their attachment points and things like that. So the demands are different in a dancer than they are in the general population. And this can make it challenging for other healthcare professionals to truly understand what it is a dancer is sort of trying to accomplish. If we're seeing a practitioner who specializes specifically in working with dancers and sometimes other artistic athletes as well, they're just going to have a far, far better understanding of what those physical demands of dance are. Second benefit of working with a healthcare practitioner who is a dance-specific healthcare practitioner, is that they're just going to speak the same language as you. I cannot tell you the number of times I have clients who come into my clinic, and oftentimes these are younger clients, so they'll be dancers who are maybe like 12, 13, 14 years old, and they come in and they have something going on, and we start chatting in the assessment, and the parent's there, and. Oftentimes the parent is the one who initiates the conversation. Oh, they've been having his knee problem, and they kind of give me a little bit of background information. But then if I start chatting with the dancer, I'll start asking questions about, well, how does your knee feel in a grand plie? Or how does it feel in fifth position versus fourth position? Or things like that. And you can just see the dancer's eyes get wider as they're realizing all of a sudden. This person actually understands what I'm talking about. They speak the same language as you, as I do. They understand what it is that I'm trying to accomplish in my dance classes. And it's always so fascinating because oftentimes the parents don't come from a dance background, and so the parents sit there and have absolutely no idea what it is the dancer and I are talking about. They don't know what positions we're talking about, what moves we're talking about, but they'll at the end of the appointment always sort of end up saying something along the lines of like, "Wow, you're the first person who really seems to like get their problem, or you really do speak their language, or you really understand what's going on. Because a lot of times they've seen other healthcare practitioners, but they haven't necessarily had that sort of connection or that ability to really accurately sort of portray what it is that's going on in the language that makes sense to them and where they're experiencing their pain or their limitation or whatever it is that they're coming into the clinic for. So having somebody who just like truly understands and can speak to your like in that same language is really, really beneficial. As a healthcare practitioner, it's beneficial for building trust with that clientele and building rapport. But as the client, you also know that like, okay, I'm going to get somewhere with this person. I'm going to actually be on the path to healing and getting back to doing what it is that I love. So speaking the language is massively, massively beneficial. The next sort of point I want to bring up is... A little bit of that argument of, like, are dancers artists or are dancers athletes? And I often in my practice refer to dancers as artistic athletes because although we know that dance is super, super, super athletic, and like I was saying before, the physical demands of dance are so, so, so high, what we're doing with our bodies – absolutely parallels what other athletes are doing with their bodies but there's an artistic requirement on top of that and that really changes how we go about rehabilitation especially so this might not be super important in the acute phase of an injury like right after you've immediately injured yourself we may not treat you hugely differently than we would treat an athlete from another sport But as you get further into your rehabilitation process, the artistic side of things really, really matters. Because yes, we want you to get full range of motion back or full strength back or proprioception or whatever it is that we're working on physically within your body to get you back dancing and get you back in the studio or back on the stage. But there has to be an aesthetic component to that as well so it's not enough just to say okay we need to be able to generate power or strength in this movement we also need to be able to generate that with a very specific aesthetic so there needs to be a certain line or a certain alignment or a certain orientation of the body that you need to be able to achieve because in dance it doesn't just matter if you can do something it matters what it looks like while you are doing that. And that's probably the single biggest difference in rehabilitating dancers versus rehabilitating other athletes because in other sports, it really doesn't matter what it looks like when somebody's doing something sure there's ways that are like probably mechanically more efficient or things like that but at the end of the day if a hockey player can you know make a slap shot or whatever it doesn't actually matter what it looks like as long as the puck goes in the back of the net or as long as the soccer ball goes into the back of the goal or whatever sport it is nobody's really looking at exactly how that skill was performed or how pretty it was or that sort of thing. But for dance, the art form always has to come first. Like, we're looking for that finished product. And so it really, truly does matter what it looks like. And so it's not just enough to say, okay, yes, you're strong enough now, or yes, your range of motion has fully returned, or things like that. It's, can we achieve the movements we need to be able to do with the same aesthetic that we had before or that we're working on achieving. And so that's really what we're looking at when we're sort of going through the rehab process is, okay, how are we doing this in dance specific ways, in dance specific lines and things like that to get dancers, like I said, back to the studio or back on the stage. So that's massively, massively important to have somebody who really truly understands what those aesthetic demands are. So they can look at it and say, you know what? Although you're like doing that movement, it's not being done with like the sort of final product aesthetic that we want. Another reason for accessing dance specific healthcare is I'm sure many, 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 many dancers, if not all dancers, have experienced the um sort of um had the experience of going and seeking out medical care for an injury you go in oh my achilles has been bothering me you go to see a doctor and their automatic response is take six weeks off dance rest it you'll be fine you can go back and there's all sorts of reasons why this is a really really terrible response for anyone who's coming into a medical office complaining of those sorts of things but especially for a dancer Because we all know within the dance industry that as soon as you tell a dancer, just take time off, whether that be two weeks, six weeks, three months, it doesn't matter. If that is the only advice you're giving them, I can absolutely guarantee you that they will not listen to you. They are going to completely shut down. They are going to completely dismiss anything else you have to say to them, even if it is actually good advice, like other things that you have to tell them. As soon as you've said you just need to stop doing everything for X amount of time, you've lost them. And it takes a lot of like trust building and negotiation to get any sort of like rapport going again with them. So dancers for good or for bad are always 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 going to try and push through and are always going to try and be at the studio or feel like they need to be on stage and that sort of thing. And that's probably a conversation for another podcast about sort of where that pressure comes from and those sorts of things. But from a healthcare perspective and in terms of dancers accessing healthcare, telling them to stop is not going to work. And there are definitely instances where dancers truly do need to take a break and do need to fully stop doing what they're doing. But it's really, really rare and it's few and far between when it comes to injuries. And any dancer who's worked with me for any length of time knows that that is not going to be my default answer. So if I do tell a dancer that, do you know what, I really think we need to have two weeks off completely, like full rest, whatever... They're probably going to listen to me because it's going to be really, really rare that I would ever give that advice because dance is actually really adaptable to what we call relative rest. So if we have an injury going on, absolutely, we want to do what is necessary to heal that injury. So again, back to our like little example of Achilles pain or kind of ankle pain, whatever we want to call it. Maybe we need to give that area of the body a rest depending on what it is that's going on. But there are so many other things that a dancer can be working on while they are rehabilitating that injury. So we don't necessarily need to tell them that they need six weeks off no dance we might need to tell them do you know what okay we're not going to do point work for right now if that's like one of the aggravating things or maybe we need to take a break from jumping but you're still totally fine to do other types of things or maybe they're going to work on Artistry for a while, and so they're going to mark everything with their legs for two weeks. But they're really going to go full out with arms and heads and eye lines and sight lines, and really feeding into the like the story narratives and the feelings behind a piece or things like that. There are so many parts of dance that we can work on that aren't necessarily just about the physical aspect of what's going on. So that's actually really a great thing about dance, and one thing I really really love is how adaptable it is to working around certain injuries if you're working with a healthcare practitioner who understands dance. So we can really guide dancers in what we would call like our return to dance protocol if we understand what it is that they're doing. So we understand the structure of a ballet class or the structure of a jazz class or the structure of a tap class or whatever it is. Or we understand what like a competition looks like. What is it that you're doing when you're at a competition? Because I think there's like a perception that you know, dancers who are at a competition are competing for 12 hours a day, seven days in a row, when in reality, we know that like, you might be there for 12 hours a day, seven days in a row. But the time that you're on the stage is like in four minute blocks throughout the day or things like that. So just having somebody who understands the realities of how the dance world works, makes it so much easier for people to devise return to dance protocols. And so that can be things like jump progression. So again, in that example of like Achilles, maybe the jumping is what's really irritating it so maybe we start with no jumping at all and then we start to add in like simple two foot jumps but only for small jumps and then we start to add in small jumps that transfer like taking off on two feet and landing on one foot and then we can start to add in larger jumps that take off on two feet and land on one foot and then maybe we introduce jumps that take off and land on that same foot or whatever the progression might be It doesn't matter what the progression is, but to have somebody who truly understands the nature of dance, we can give really guided progressions back into dance and limitations if that's what's required as well. So instead of saying, take six weeks off dance, it might be, okay, we need to take six weeks to build you back into a return to jumping protocol. But while you're doing that, you can still participate in other, access, other aspects of your dance class. And for a lot of dancers, that's really important for them to stay kind of connected to their studio and to stay connected to their dance friends and to stay connected to that part of their identity because they probably don't want to spend six weeks at home. And like I said, if you just tell them that they flat out need to... Take time away from dance and just not be dancing at all, they are probably going to ignore you and they're just going to continue to dance and they're probably not going to modify what they're doing and they have the potential to like make that injury more significant or make it worse. So, again, one of the other many advantages of seeing a dance specific healthcare practitioner. The last thing I want to touch on just in terms of dance-specific health care practitioners is I just want to recognize the fact that not everywhere, everyone lives in an area that has dance-specific health care practitioners. It is expanding fairly rapidly, actually, in terms of, like, how many people are going into the profession, people who are coming out of professional dance careers and are actually becoming physiotherapists or becoming physicians or things like that, which is amazing. So our network of dance medicine specialists is really increasing, which is amazing, But I still recognize that a lot of people live in an area where that is not always the case. It's not always easy to access somebody who really does truly specialize in dance. And I get messages quite frequently from people sort of around the country or even internationally saying, you know, I live in a smaller town. We don't have access to any like dance medicine specialists. What do we do with this dancer? And often those messages are coming from teachers. So one of the advantages um, sort of over the past few years is how much virtual care has evolved. And so there's a lot more opportunities to access virtual health care services. So if you do live in an area where there are not necessarily um, any sort of dance medicine or dance specialists in your area, you may be able to connect with somebody who's close by who does virtual services or potentially even somebody internationally who does virtual services. So I'm located in Vancouver in Canada, and so for us with my physiotherapy license, I can treat or provide physiotherapy services to anybody within the province of British Columbia. So you don't have to physically be in Vancouver. I can provide virtual services to anybody on, say, Vancouver Island or up in the Okanagan or other areas of the province. And most states in the US, it's the same. Um, Practitioners are licensed in the in a specific state it's usually the state they live in although some practitioners hold licenses in other states if it's places they've previously lived and that sort of thing and so you don't necessarily need to be in the same city as someone but you might need to be in the same state as someone in order to claim it like under healthcare expenses that being said a lot of us also provide consultation services to people internationally that we can't actually kind of bill them as healthcare services because my license only covers um services within my province for that, but I will do consultations for people who are out of area or out of country or that sort of thing. And oftentimes that is a consultation in conjunction with somebody that maybe they are seeing in person. So it's not uncommon that I'll end up doing sort of like a one-off consultation to just kind of have a little bit more of a danced focus lens see what's going on, and then can make suggestions about like a dance-specific rehab program or a return to dance program or whatever it is that people are wanting input on. And I can relay that information or work with the therapist that they are seeing locally to give the dance-specific input if the person they're seeing locally is providing more of just the kind of straightforward, more traditional medical aspect of the rehab so that's definitely becoming more and more commonplace. Most practitioners, at least the ones that I'm aware of, offer some form of virtual services now. So it really is becoming much, much, much easier for people to access dance-specific healthcare, even if you are in a more remote or rural area where maybe there aren't practitioners who are like locally available to you. There's a couple of great online resources. Um, If you're looking for somebody, there's a couple of online directories. IADMS, which is the International Association for Dance Medicine and Science, they have an online directory where you can search for practitioners there. Healthy Dancer Canada has an online directory. Doctors for Dancers has an online directory. There's a whole bunch of online kind of directories that you can search for. Obviously, Google is also helpful just for looking things up that way. And if anybody... Is wanting a connection with a practitioner who is maybe closer to you if you're looking for somebody who's potentially local to you or what have you. Um, I am always, always open for trying to connect people with dance specific practitioners. I really truly feel like every dancer deserves to have somebody who understands what it is they're going through and understands them and their body and their craft. And so I'm always happy to try and facilitate those connections. So if you're looking for recommendations in your part of the world, I'm happy to see what I can do, um, whether it's somebody locally that you can see in person or whether that would be a virtual connection for you. So that is what I wanted to say today in terms of why I think all dancers need dance-specific health care or should have access to dance-specific health care. I think the more um, the field of dance medicine and science is evolving. The more expertise there is in this area, and it's a really, really dedicated and passionate group of clinicians that work within the dance medicine and science community. And really, we're all just like super keen to serve the dance industry. And so we want dancers to have access to these services. And we really, truly feel like dancers deserve to have access to these services so that they are feeling seen, and they are feeling heard, and they are feeling. Fully supported in their journey back into dance so thank you so much for listening today Um, if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast I would love it if you can also leave a review it just helps us to be seen or if you have somebody who you think could really benefit from listening to this episode please feel free to share it with them and I hope you all have a wonderful day